RadioInfluence.com. We are back for another edition of the MMA Report Podcast. I am Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvan. It is Thursday, March the 30th, 2023. We're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And this episode is brought to you by Harry's. Later on in the show, we'll talk about the great offer that Harry's has for the MMA Report Podcast listener. But uh, by the way, as I just look at my guy Daniel over here, uh, Daniel, it looks like you went and you saw the barber. Yeah, man, I, I certainly did get a haircut. You know, I uh, I was growing my hair out for my wrestling camp, and I completed the camp. We did the show. Now your boy needs to get a job, so I had to go get a get a suitable haircut for job interviews. And uh, I guess I got myself a summer cut, man. But you know, unless my next job requires me to be on camera, which I doubt, I think I'm probably going to grow it back out to where it once was. I did go over that YouTube channel and watch your, your wrestling debut over there. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll pull it in the show notes so people can check out uh, your performance there. But uh, talk to us a little bit about that, man. Man, it was fun. I was real nervous because just, you know, for those that aren't aware, I went to the Dustin Rhodes, known in WWE as Gold Dust. Now he's an AEW. He's a legend. And he has a 12-week training camp. And it was an amazing experience, but I was nervous the whole way through because, you know, at the end of every camp, there's um, like a showcase. Students are on it, but you're not guaranteed to get on that showcase. And I was very nervous that I wasn't going to be good enough to be there. And I was embarrassed. I would have been embarrassed because I have so many great wrestling friends from where I'm from. And I came back this week and trained with them last night. And I was like, man, that'd be embarrassing to go to this camp and not be on there. But thankfully, I was on there. Uh, thankfully, I was able to complete the camp, and it was honestly a real life-changing experience, bro. I mean, to get in the ring with a legend and learn under him for 12 weeks was amazing. And then the showcase itself, you know, it's just the very beginning of a wrestling career. Uh, I have so much more to learn. I am so still, you know, it, to get good at wrestling, it takes a lot of time. Unless you're Kurt Angle, it takes a lot of time, a lot of repetition, a lot of practice. So, we're treating it like day one. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy with how it came out. Thank you to everyone who's been watching, man. But yeah, I was in a fun little six-man tag team action. I had a goofy character named Daddy Daniel, which I don't necessarily know if Daddy Daniel will return. Uh, <laughs> but he may. He may return. If I get hit upside the head, I might wake up one day and be Daddy Daniel, but... You know, in terms of when I'm next in the ring, it'll be interesting to see what kind of character I am or, or, or am not. But we shall see. But it was great, dude. I, I'm uh, thankful and I'm sad it's already over. Yeah, I watched him, man. I was like, I was like, wow, look at Daniel there doing his thing over there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, being here in Tampa, and I mean, Tampa's got such a, a rich wrestling history. And, you know, in FCW, I mean, they, their headquarters were literally five, 10 minute ride from my house. So a lot of would go to the same gym that I went to. And, uh, yeah, I massive respect to anyone who does that. I, I, when you get a chance to talk to those guys and, and you talk about the bumps that they take, I mean, and, and you know, this, you land wrong and it can, I've seen an injury happen watching wrestling. It's, 
It's crazy, but we'll put it in the show notes so everyone can check that out there. But of course, uh, you know, coming up tomorrow, we got Bellator 293 Saturday. PFL is back in our lives. The first uh, start of the PFL season. Of course, uh, the next week we got UFC 287. One of the things we're going to talk about uh, later on the show is and this is the idea that Daniel had was us doing a little uh, a draft of 10 fights to take place in the month of April. So we'll go through that. I've got a bunch of fights on there. One of the things I will say that when I was going through these fight cards um, and, and I was just looking at UFC Bellator and PFL and I was looking at that Bellator Friday show in Hawaii yeah, I don't know if that's going to make me stay at home on a Friday night. Yeah, it, it's been like that when they've been doing those two-day events in Hawaii. Usually the fight for the troops car is just Bellator's version of an Apex card. But usually the Apex cards at least have a main event you're looking forward to. And to be frank, I don't know if there's a single fight on that fight card I'm looking forward to. I mean, even this week, you know, I... um I don't have any friends coming over to check out Goldman James this week. I got to be honest with you. It's a, uh, it's kind of the MO of Bellator. It's like every other Bellator event is awesome. And then the other one is like, eh, eh, this is like taking my medicine, watching this fight card. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about Bellator here in a moment, but I will say this. I do. I really do like this preliminary card. I think there's some interesting matchups. You know, the matchup that I was most intrigued on the preliminary card is actually now on the main card of Archie Colgan and Justin Montalvo. The reason that's on the main card is because Jalilos versus Rustam Kabilov uh, with Scratch Bellator Public Relations announced that on Twitter earlier today. Uh, before to get, let's talk a little bit about news. And uh, first off, we got to start back at last weekend and shame on the texas commission and so before the show i'm telling dan like hey did you see this incident from fury fc and so i sent it to him and i wish i'd been recording just the dale's reaction of watching this video everyone i think most people in the MMA industry have seen this video one of probably the worst refing i've ever seen watching mixed martial arts for the last 20 years probably the worst i've ever seen and this is where the shame on the Texas Commission comes. That referee does a god-awful job of protecting an athlete the night before in the main event of the fight card, and he gets rewarded by being a judge at UFC San Antonio. And when we talk about, I mean, look, we can jo- you know joke about you know Texas Commission or whatnot. This is a goddamn awful move by the Texas Commission. Yeah, I mean... I'm surprised I did not see this video until you showed it to me. I don't know what I was doing Friday night. Must have been a date night and then wasn't on my phone Saturday until the UFC card. So I completely didn't see it till right now. But this isn't an exaggeration when I say it's literally the worst refereeing job I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude could have got the guy killed. It's crazy. And, yeah, it's an embarrassment. And and there was a UFC event in Texas. The crowd was awesome. Man, some of the preliminary fights are great. Had a really high-level fight in the main event. And the big takeaway has to be that the Texas Athletic Commission showed their butt this weekend. Between that happening and, obviously, the scorecard for Cheeto from the other Texas judge – it's crazy, and I think the big issue here is the bureaucracy and the slow movement of the Texas Athletic Commission. That's just the one thing I have to point to. 
This doesn't appear to be a commission that moves rapidly. I believe if that referee made that call in the state of California, I, I do believe he would not be at that UFC event. I believe there would be swift action if it happened in Nevada. Mohegan Sun, sure. I think that ref gets pulled. Texas Athletic Commission is looking asleep at the wheel that they didn't act suddenly. It should have been a major situation when something like that happens. The very next day it needs to be addressed. If a referee comes out and as soon as the fight starts, he takes off his pants and takes a poop in the middle of the cage, Texas should probably pull him for the next event. Obviously, the referee in that fight didn't poop in the cage, but what he did was even more dangerous. And uh, I, uh, I'm i embarrassed to be a Texan, right? I'm supposed to be excited. You know, Texas Rangers baseball is kicking off. And I just uh, I feel embarrassed because our athletic commission, which has a bad reputation, had maybe its worst weekend in its history regarding the sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah, I did not see I did not see Fury live, so I, I saw it come up on my timeline, and, and I want to say uh, I ended up uh, I saw I want to say on Ariel's timeline, and, and I and I watched this video, and I'm like, oh my god, like it, it's one of those things of like I felt like I was watching something from 30 years ago, like this can't be 2023 in our sport, and then when I see um, God, I I forget the reporter's name, I want to say he works for. May MMA mania or somebody along those lines. And he said, Oh, by the way, Frank Lazo is working is assigned to be a judge. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I mean, look, I, I really don't try to cuss on the site, but on this, on this podcast, but like, I think that's the only way I can describe it. Daniel's like, what the fuck? Yeah. I think it's warranted because it's not like we're going to be talking about these situations time and again, this doesn't happen in high level mixed martial arts. And it shouldn't happen at amateur mixed martial arts. Any human being who knows anything about MMA and it puts on a referee shirt stops a fight before he does. When when a, a submission like the triangle choke and then the armbar are applied and it's locked in, you need to be vigilant and you need to be proactive, ensuring that that fighter is still conscious, is trying to submit. Where's he at mentally? I mean, that's your job. You only got to work 15 minutes, 25 if it's a championship fight. You have the fighters' lives in your hands. The other fighters' priority isn't making sure the other dude's all right. He's trying to separate him from his consciousness. That other fighter who's trying to become a, a UFC fighter, he can't afford to also be the official in the cage. And to be frank, with something as egregious, with something as egregious as that, it warrants not being a referee. Again, I mean, that's just too like mm -hmm. there are certain things in life that should have such significant consequences so that people don't make those mistakes. And that mistake was so bad, I would say he should not ref again. But the dude was a judge the day after UFC event. My first question becomes and, and I've I've had these conversations with fighters and you you talk to them say about like, hey, if you had a chance to sit with the judge sit with a referee and what questions would you ask? And one of the more popular responses I've gotten is I want to know about their history in martial arts. And I look at that sequence and I wonder, has he ever been in an arm bar? 
And to me, the one thing that really sticks out to me is when the arm bar is locked in, you can see where his other arm's just not even moving. And I feel like a qualified referee would be going up and trying to see if that arm moves. And it's just, there, there's so much about that. By the way, speaking of uh, UFC San Antonio, I did talk to Daniel Pineda earlier on today. That's going to be on Sunday's podcast. He told me that if he would have lost that fight, he was going to retire. He had told his friends and family, if I lose this fight, I'm retiring. He said, if I win this fight, I get a new deal. I'll continue on. He told me they're in the process of getting a new deal, so he's going to continue on. So uh, that'll be on uh, Sunday's podcast. I, I spoke to him. I did a did a handful of interviews today, so people can check. That'll be on uh, Sunday's podcast. So uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, also, uh, some other things. I found this uh Comment from Justin Gaethje in his ESPN interview with Brett Okamoto. Very interesting. Quote, would I quit if Connor won and they gave him a title shot? Probably. That's how hurt I would be by the actions of the company I represent. But that's out of my control. I just really hope that doesn't happen. We can imagine a lot of things. There's a possibility that that's the scenario, which I would be devastated for sure. All right, Justin, I hate to tell you this. You, you got to be realistic here, bro. Yeah, he can't be saying things like that because Connor's for sure getting the championship fight if he wins, dude. Don't don't set that don't set that up for yourself because there is not a there's no way Connor doesn't get the championship fight if he wins. So basically, Justin's putting it in the hands of the result of the fight, not in the hands of the UFC, because it wouldn't be out of character for them to do that. That's what they do. Their goal is to make money, sell pay-per-views. There have been a few golden children that have been UFC fighters throughout the years. Fighters that circumvent the line and get to the top, like Connor. Hell, like Brock Lesnar, who will be at WrestleMania this weekend. There are certain fighters who have that privilege, and the reason they earn that privilege is, well... Because they are literal megastars. They are the difference between Dana White having a steak for dinner or 15 for his Nelk boyfriends or whatever. So for Justin, bro, uh, know the game you're playing. There is no way UFC doesn't give Connor the championship fight if he beats Chandler. Oh, you're, you're spot on. By the way, I saw this over on the MMA Reddit about Justin Gaethje. Record of fighters after they fight Justin Gaethje. Did you yeah, see this one? I did see that one. Yeah. Michael Johnson, three and six. Eddie Alvarez, one, three and one. Dustin Poirier is the odd oddball in this one. He's six and two. James Vick, zero oh and four. Edson Barboza, two and four. Donald Cerrone, oh four and one. Congratulations, Donald Cerrone, going in. Which, by the way, could we not tell the guy is going to the Hall of Fame before the video package starts? Can we not make that phone call? <laughs> Uh, and then Tony Ferguson, 0 and 4. I saw that stat. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, how many, uh, if you can do some quick math, how many wins is that? If you take out the, uh, if you take out the Poye, how many total victories are, would you get? Six. Yeah. That's crazy. I, that's crazy. I, I don't know what explains it other than the fact that maybe one, Fighting Justin Gaethje is like fighting Cocaine Bear. You're just not gonna you're not gonna be the same afterwards. I think the other part is because Justin came in as 
um, a known commodity. He was already put in these known commodity fights. And usually if you're a known commodity in the UFC, you're probably already in the second half of your career because it takes a whole while to get there. You only have so many fights on top. So he's taking on Alvarez and Ferguson when they are obviously either the tail end or past their prime. I think that's a big reason why. But I guess the great test case is going to be Fazeev, right? Because this is a dude mm-hmm. who I think we both um, believe has so many more years of his prime in him. But if all of a sudden he falls off, then um, wow, I, I think that's an interesting trend. That uh, if I'm an, if I'm a manager, I guess that's one more reason why I wouldn't want my fighter to be in the cage with Gaethje. But maybe he just takes you to such a crazy point with the fight of the night type situation. You're just never the same again. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's you know a future Hall of Famer himself. I, I did notice in that interview that the Gaethje gave a uh, Brakamoto. He did mention that he thought the 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 rematch against Dustin Poirier did make a lot of sense. And I, I would definitely see that's potentially a ploy. Now Dustin Poirier has talked about going at the one seventy. Colby Covington said he had been offered a fight against Dustin Poirier, accepted it, but for a reason that one did not happen. Uh, you know, you talk about Bellator a second ago, and you, you talk about how sometimes it just kind of feels like we have this great card, and then it's kind of like a, a challenger series card. Yeah, well, Bellator 297 is, is shaping up to be a great card. June 16th, we got the light heavyweight title on the line as Vadim Nemkov going to defend his title against Joel Romero. Co-main event, Patricio Pitbull moving down to 135, looking to claim his third division title in Bellator, taking on Sergio Pettis. And just uh, about an hour or so ago, Bellator announced they've also added Corey Anderson versus Phil Davis to that card. I mean, like, look, three great matchups. But how is Patricio Pitbull, Sergio Pettis, the co-main event of this card? That's my yeah. I, that is my only beat with Bellator this one. You got a guy going for his third division title in your promotion, the GOAT of Bellator. No one's gonna argue this. Patricio Pitbull, Sergio Pettis should be the main event of that fight card. Um, yeah, that is a crazy fight. Like, can you imagine? And honestly, dude, I would pick Patricio to win that fight, which is like, I don't know if there's ever been a three-division champion in a major MMA promotion before. I, I I don't well, know. He, he would, well, he's not going to hold. He has would not be holding all three titles. No, no, but no, but like to accomplish that, you know. Yeah. Has there ever been a Has there ever been a champion to hold three championships in their career in three different weight classes? Nothing. I, nothing pops in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've had we've had two. Like you know, you think about back in the day, Dan Henderson holding you know two titles in Pride. Yeah. Obviously, we've had most notably various fighters in the UFC over the past couple of years. DC, Connor, Man Nunez, mm-hmm. BJ Penn, Randy Couture. Yeah. yeah, obviously, Cejudo has a real. I mean, I think Cejudo's the one guy. Him and Connor are the two fighters that could certainly do it. I mean, Connor at welterweight seems like a massive stretch, but Cejudo at featherweight? I could see that one happening right. for sure. Well, Connor, it all comes down to matchups. Obviously, Leon Edwards would be a great matchup for him. But if that's you told true, me that's true. But if you told me he's got to go up against Colby Covington, it's a totally different story. Yeah, like okay, I would obviously pick Leon versus Connor, 
but amongst all the potential welterweight championship fights, that's the one where he has the best shot because that's probably going to be a stand-up fight. And that's the thing about Connor. His his stand-up is oh, – it, it punched the lottery ticket that created superstardom, uh, starting off with the, with the Aldo one. But, yeah, I, I think the one promotion I would have to double-check on if there was three-division champion would be Pride. Maybe Strike Force, but I, I don't think that's happened either. Yeah, so, I, that, I mean, so. that's just uh, – I, I can't believe Patricio's able to make that cut, you know, to 135. Okay. I remember, and I've been around Patricio. Patricio's not a big guy. That's why him going to 55 and doing what he did at 55 is it, it just is remarkable to me. And I remember you, you would talk to people, and I would say, don't you think he could make 35? And they said, yeah, he probably could, but he doesn't need to. Oh, wow. And so that to me is what does he look like at 135 pounds? Like if you tell me right now who am I picking, I've learned my lesson. You don't pick against Patricio Pitbull. Yeah, yeah, you don't pick against him, you know, unless you know AJ McKee's other dude in the cage. I mean, there, there, you, you don't pick against him. Throughout the years, there's been so many times I'm like, I don't know if Patricio got it. Then he goes, I, I've just gotten to this point. I should not pick against him, even though there are times I'm going. Man, look, I pick, I you know, in the rematch against AJ, I picked AJ, but I've just learned he shouldn't go down there. I mean, but this is. You know, it's going to be interesting, and, and this becomes a weird thing. So you've got them fighting in June for the Bantamweight title. Then in April, we've got Rafael Stotts and Patchy Mix fighting in the finals of the Bantamweight Grand Prix. You know, and Rafael Stotts is currently the interim Bantamweight champion. So I get just weird how this has played out. It's, and it's- also... How does Sergio Pez come back from a major injury with his knee injury? Yeah. Hey, Sergio. Welcome back from your rehab. You're fighting the best fighter the promotion's ever had. Have fun. Okay. Here, here's, you know, and, and there's no doubt to me that, that Patricio is the greatest. I wonder, like, if you talk to people who really have followed the Bellator product over the years, who would you say is number two? Ben Askren, yeah, uh, it's, it's but Ben Askren isn't sexy, right? No, and no, he's like, not. He's he co- not like like I could see people would say Chandler, but I mean, look, Chandler had some up and downs. That's true. It's because he had too many losses, I think, to to get number two designation. It, it, it's because it, because you know Askren threw a perfect game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, I think the up? thing that we forget about Bellator is how good they had it at 45 for such a long time. When you're talking about their top three 45ers were Patricio Pitbull, Pat Curran, and Daniel Strauss all in their prime. Yeah. Yeah, Pat Curran's a very forgotten great fighter because mm-hmm. he was really, really good, especially right off the gates. And, you know, Strauss was too. Uh, you know, Karakanyan was a part of that mix. And... That was that was definitely a strong division. I think Joe Warren fought there. I know he was th- he was thirty five, but I think he started off at, in the featherweight, and that's when he was pretty good too. I, I that featherweight division has always been great in Bellator. So uh, yeah, I think obviously guys like AJ McKee and Musasi have had great modern Bellator careers, as has Ryan Bader. You, you go back in the history. I mean, Askren uh, Lombard had a great start to his career. Um, at Lima. at uh, 
Lima is, is a great name. Obviously, I, you can't put Lima ahead of Askren, but Lima deserves to be mentioned. Um, I, I feel like there's a couple good bantamweights that I, I'm missing. I, I wouldn't put Dantas there. I mean, think about this. I, so I'm just looking at Bellator champion history. Yeah. From March 2012 to July 30th, 2021, you only had three people hold the Bellator featherweight title. Was it Patricio? Pat Curran, Daniel Strauss, Patricio Pitbull. Oh. <laughs> AJ McKee won the title March 31st, 2021. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, 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 by the way, the other name is is Cole Conrad. I mean, he yeah. doesn't have enough quality wins to get that number two spot, but much like Ben Askren, he uh, he, he threw a perfect game. You know, it, it, you never know what's, what his career would have been. Okay, I'll throw this one out to you. You got, you got to, you got, we'll play a little stock market here. You got to put a stock into somebody you think could pass oh, Patricio yeah. Pitbull at some point as the greatest fighter in Bellator history. Yep. How do you not say Usman Nurmagomedov? No, I mean, that's the answer. That's the, that's the effing answer. The only way that doesn't happen is if he leaves at the end of his deal. And I have no idea how many fights he has left on his oh, deal. Oh, God. If you're, if you're, if you're Scott Coker, you can't even let it get to that point. Yep, I know. Yeah, you're right because he is their prized possession. He is, yeah. He, if if you gave me whatever betting odds on, like, how his career, I'm just gonna say he's gonna be the best Bellator fighter of all time. Like, he's fighting like that. Uh, yeah, I, I think Usman. I mean, amongst the current Bellator fighters. It's Usman one and AJ two when it comes to fighters that can get that reputation. I, I think you have to put Amosov and Evelyn in that conversation. Great call, great call. Actually, a phenomenal call. And and, and Amosov is uh, someone who could absolutely go down as the best welterweight of all time. And you know, Evelyn at middleweight definitely. I, I think that's a great call. And, and, and who knows? Maybe Evelyn one day will will move up to light heavyweight and win the championship there. And I only say that because that division has never been strong for Bellator. Uh, and so maybe that's something where he could become a two division champion. You know, I don't, I don't regularly listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, but I saw some of the clips from Jorge Maslow's appearance on there. And, and he was touting up Johnny Eblen. I mean, he flat out called Johnny Eblen the best middleweight in the world. And I mean, I, I mean, look, you can, you can take that for what it is. It's a teammate of his, an American top team, but the reality, but the other side would be is this guy trains with the best fighters in the world. If he believes Johnny Evans, the best 185 pound fighter in the world, I tend to believe him. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to believe him, but it is his teammate, right? It is his teammate. He's not going to come out here and be like, well, I got Evelyn seven. Uh, I got Strickland. I got, I didn't know. It's like, bro, especially Masvidal, right? That is a very, like, that's the type of guy you want to be your friend, bro. He's, he's going to emotionally be there for you. He's going to see the good in you. That's what you don't cross him. Like if you're Covington. So I, I take that with a grain of salt, but only to say, I wouldn't be surprised if Evelyn becomes the best motorway of the world. And, and not that he's not already there. It's just, he needs to get those wins. I mean, it's hard for me to say Adesanya is worse than him right now, or or even Alex Pereira. Right. Even even if those two were matched up, Eblen has a clear path to victory. 
as does most middleweights with the wrestling base. So, yeah, it, it's up in the air, but how can you discount a guy after he went in there with Musasi and did that? Yeah, I mean, if you told me he was taking on Alex Bahia, I'd probably pick Johnny Edwin. If you told me he's going up against Izzy, I don't know if I picked Johnny Edwin in that, in that spot. No, no, I wouldn't, bro. If you told me he's going up against Whitaker, I would pick Whitaker against him. I would. I, I just think it comes down to is someone being able to contain the grappling. I'm not saying stop it, contain it. Yeah. Yeah. And and with Alex, it's there isn't that confidence that he can contain the the grappling, stop it at least. He obviously could starch the dude in twenty five seconds. I mean, that's the thing about Alex is he's one of the most dangerous strikers in the sport right now. Um so, yeah, I mean, the middleweight division's in flux, but there's a couple of these weight classes where Bellator has a legitimate candidate for best fighter on the planet. There's not a single one where I would say that's the case other than obviously – well, I was going to say obviously, but never mind. I was going to say obviously women's featherweight, but that's not true. Amanda's the best women's featherweight in the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at lead heavyweight. You look at featherweight. You look at lightweight. You look at bantamweight. They, they could make that case, I think. Pretty clearly, Aljo's better than Sergio. But, you know, Patricio wins that Bantamweight championship. You know, he's, he's, he's a great fighter in his own right. Yeah, it's, you know, because I was thinking about this, you know, because I was scrolling through my, my timeline, you know, just kind of. By the way, I, I, I know there's people who hate the new Twitter algorithm. The for you section on Twitter, goddamn love it. Because I feel like I can get all my MMA news in one section. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's, like, it's basically all verified accounts, and I'm sitting there like I I feel like I get through kind of the the fluff if I if I go through the following. I go to my I now look if I follow you yes I check my following feed, but to me the for you is so amazing. By the way, just I just thought I'd say that that's for me from my experience with with the out Twitter, uh, it is going there. But I because I, I saw this article it was, you know. I just call it the, the PFL press releases on various uh, websites out there. They call them the number two organization in the world. And I'm not saying they're not, but it is to me becoming so evident that Bellator is the number two MMA roster. I don't know what yeah. the number two MMA promotion from a roster construction aspect. They're number two. Gosh, I, I think you're right. I would really have to get both these rosters in front of me and, and, and compare and contrast. I think Bellator certainly has more elite fighters in PFL. I, I'll, I'll put it to you like this, Daniel. Is there anybody in PFL outside of Kayla Harrison, Larissa Pacheco, that you believe they're top 10 in the world? Hmm. No, I, I I don't think so, and and that's the big difference in these two rosters. Exactly. But yeah. the, the 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 one thing about PFL is that they consistently put on quality fight cards, and and, and that's well, you said top ten, top ten. I'm I'm on their website maybe, going through the maybe, list. I'm looking. Uh, maybe Burgos. Burgos is someone who could get there. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's I think it's, I think it's, he's, that's an absurdly tough weight class. I, I think Burgos is somewhere in that eight to fourteen range. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, light heavy, light. Excuse me, lightweight is is a real. And his opponent on that fight card, Abed Mercier, is also another one. But like, it's it, it it's a question mark. It's not. We know Patricio's a top ten. We know Nemkov's a top ten. It's not debate that Johnny Eblen's a top ten unless you look at Tapology or is it Fight Matrix, whichever one we're. I think it was Tapology. I think it's top. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's the difference. Is Bellator has more of those fighters where it's like Amazon. That's a top ten dude. No, there's no argument. Um, so that's the difference. Usman, AJ McKee. The list goes on. I, I think it's it's where PFL beats Bellator is the middle tier, but. It's kind of a 10-8 when it comes to the elite tier of Bellator when it comes to roster construction. You bring up a great point. I, I think that that's certainly true. I think where PFL gets the advantage is it's, it's a more consistent product. You're not getting a Golm James this weekend. I mean, for Bellator, you can make the case that the prelims are better than the main card. Uh, for, for PFL 1... You know, this is a this is a this is a better fight card that they're presenting yeah. than what Bellator's presenting. Should PFL have presented with us Kayla Harrison and Larissa Pacheco? Sure, but Chris Wade, Bubba Jenkins. I mean, every fight's good. Every I, fight I mean, is good. I'll fight. I'll tell you. I mean, when we do our draft, I've got two fights listed there, and it's our top two fights this weekend on Saturday: of Brandon Laughlin versus uh, Marlon Moraes. Even though I don't like the the stylistic matchup there, but it's got to be in consideration. Then Rob Wilkinson versus Tiago Santos. Rob Wilkinson has been on a tear in the PFL, and and what does Tiago Santos look like at, at this point in his career? I mean, it's the PFL is doing a lot of great things, but I just think I don't think they have the depth that say a Bellator has. I mean, they could. Be, I. I Look, do I think that there's probably fighters who would rather sign with PFL than Bellator? I think there's no doubt in my mind that's that's a reality. But I think that you look at the depth. If you say PFL, put your best card together. Bellator, put your best card together. I don't think there's a doubt in my mind. I'd prefer to watch the Bellator card. Well, yeah, but I agree with what you said there. But when, it, when I'm talking about depth, I'm talking about more like depth of like 8 through eight through 20. I think PFL has a pretty good 8 through 20. But they don't have that 1 through 8 where they could compete with Bellator yeah. with the elite of the elite. Uh, in terms of, like, if you say put your best fights and put your best fights here, which one are you going to watch? It would be Bellator without a doubt. I mean, obviously the only exception on on, on PFL's roster is um, Jake Paul. That's something Bellator really can't compete with from a name value standpoint but who knows whenever the hell he's gonna fight i mean he's probably gonna rematch tommy fury in, in boxing and make that transition but uh yeah without a doubt and it's also gonna you know let's see what happens with these big name free agents right what the hell is nate gonna do what the hell is uh francis gonna do these yeah, I are saw, pretty big movers and shakers i, I saw a headline that basically noted that it, the feeling is that a french sign of pfl in, in the very near future and you know and, and i've heard I think the first person I heard say this, I want to say it was John Morgan. And he said, booking Francis first fights, not the problem. It's what is the second fight that gets people intrigued? Yeah, it has to be the priority. You have to make stars. You have to make contenders. You have to put on interesting stories. You got to shell out money for free agents. There aren't that many heavyweight fighters that aren't in the UFC that are very, very talented at the elite level uh there aren't a lot of those options really in any non-ufc promotion at heavyweight there's more options in bellator at heavyweight that are interesting but 
I don't know if there's a single fight that Francis can take outside the UFC where he isn't a minus 300 favorite or better. You know, maybe, you know, maybe he's up against, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's the case. I mean, there, obviously he's in the UFC, that fight with John Jones, he might actually be an underdog. <laughs> I, would, uh, I would, I would expect it. I would think he'd be probably, I don't think he'd be plus 150 probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that makes sense. I mean, I, mean, I, I just, Jones. yeah, I just, I, I think, I don't know if the fight goes much different than the way Jones look against gone. I think it goes a little different than that because all God did was hit him in the balls. I think Francis will do a little more than that. Uh, I will say, like, Francis's fight against Gon, dude, that told me a lot about Francis the man, right? Like, mm-hmm. that was pure freaking grit the way he won that fight. That mm-hmm. That's like a movie, the way that – that was pure willpower. You know, it wasn't skill. I mean, he, he showed some skill in that fight, obviously, but – that was that was a testament to who he is as a person uh, that's shown through. Whereas getting mashed up with John Jones, I mean, John, I don't think he's going to leave the door open for Francis like 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 Gon did, and he's just, uh, I mean, well, John's the best fighter of all time. So, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. But, of course, before we get into Bellator 293, do want to talk about our presenting sponsor this week, and that is Harry's. You know, sometimes we go to the store, whatever your favorite store may be. You know, you can get overwhelmed when you go in that razor aisle. Well, don't get overwhelmed. All you got to do is check out our friends over at Harry's. They've got a great offer for the MMA Report podcast listener. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash MMA report and take advantage of this great offer it's a fabulous package that they send you you open it up i love working with my harry's razor every day because well when you're in front of a video camera pretty much most days of the week you just can't come in scruffy looking on camera so even for today's show got on got in front of that right the, the mirror hit that harry's razor and man just a great shave dude yes like the offer that we are giving that you are being provided is absurd we're talking about a $15 value for just $3. You look in your car where you keep your drinks. I'm pretty sure you can find $3, and you can get the best shaving experience you'll ever get. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash report to get that trial. Bro, I'm telling you, I got the uh, the the Truman set, and it was unbelievable. Uh, you have a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foam shaving gel. It's just a great shave, and I, I'll tell you what. Before I did my pro wrestling debut, your boy had to be shirtless. And your boy is, well, he's a Sasquatch. I, I got hair everywhere. So I needed to shave my entire body. Um, and I forgot my razor. And first I went to the hotel and I got a free razor from the hotel. And I nicked myself up. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I need to be professional. So I went to Target. And it was like... Uh, a gift. I could just hear God singing to me. Oh, I found the Harry's blade. And bro, I had fun shaving my body. I, I was just, it, and it went off. It was comfortable. No nicks. So thank you, Harry's, for getting me ready for my pro wrestling debut. 100%. I used the Harry's and, and the shaving cream. It's just, it's a delightful experience. And there's no reason not to try Harry's. And they're still offering a no risk trial. 
Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Don't get overcharged for razors. Get Harry's. Get a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash mmareport. That's harrys.com slash mmareport for a three a for a $3 trial set. That's harrys.com slash mmareport for a $3 trial set. Be sure to take advantage of that. And when you use that unique uh, website address, uh, let's Harry's know that you heard about here on the MMA Report podcast. Now, Daniel, coming up on uh, Friday night, tomorrow night, they're in Temecula, California. It is Bellator 293. And, you know, I, if you told me what is my favorite fight on the main card i would probably say it's john salter versus aaron jeffrey just because of of kind of the abilities of both those guys john salter we know what he does he's a ground specialist so if you're aaron jeffrey you gotta kind of stay away from that jujitsu aspect uh you know i mentioned a little while ago they did lose the matchup of julio willis versus ruston cobble that was gonna be a great matchup at 170 pounds but but to me a lot of this card is about the preliminary card of what is on this card. You've got the return of Joey Davis. I, I've talked about this a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. I don't think there's a fighter I've been asked about more over the last six months from a Bellator prospect than Joey Davis. Basically said, hey, Jason, what's going on with Joey Davis? He's back in competition. Lucas Brennan, remember this name. Lucas Brennan, this guy is a guy you need to remember. He's on this card. Archie Colgan, Justin Montavo is a great matchup. It's now on the main card. Justin Montavo training out of Ray Longo's gym. And then, of course, Archie Colgan, one of Justin Gaethje's main training partners. Then you got Lance Gibson Jr., a highly talented prospect. He's made some changes in his training. Christian Edwards is moving up to heavyweight. Mike Hamill is on this fight card as well. Also, you got the second professional fight of Maria Henderson, the wife of Benson Henderson. Adam Piccolotti and Mando Nello is on this preliminary card. So, like, to me, well, it's not that sexy Bellator fight card. It's got, you know, like, you, you know, you, you like to kind of, you, you have this like food analogy. Like there's, there's, you, you don't have that filet mignon on the plate, but you got a lot of good side components. You got some good calamari. I, I think we got some good apps on the, on the plate. And if the Colgan um, Montavo fight was on the prelims, then I would feel strong in making the case that the prelims were better than the main card. I really like that fight. Colgan's an interesting name because he comes out of that Trevor Whitman camp. And it's not a camp with, like, a lot of fighters. So anytime I see a, a guy from that camp, I'm excited to see how he performs compared to, you know, an American top team when it comes to quantity of fighters. Um, I've, I've really crapped on this fight card for a long time. So let me, let me shine it up a little bit. Uh, and let me shine up the top two fights. Goldman James is... Look, these are two heavyweights that have had basically nothing but success in Bellator. James Bellator run is a lot shorter than, than Golm. James comes in and he upsets Tyra Fortune. Uh, Golm, on the other hand, has pieced together four wins in a row. This is a heavyweight division where there is opportunity there. And one of these two men can absolutely stake their claim as a contender with a win here. Speaking of staking your claim as a contender, without question, a women's featherweight championship fight to me is on the line between Zingano and McCourt. Obviously a division that's got less depth than a kiddie pool, but this is still a fight where the winner will get a challenge. And it's interesting because 
I, I don't know what the odds are. I would imagine Leah is a pretty big underdog against Kit Zingano. But the reason why McCourt is a live dog here, if she is in fact an underdog, is that she has um, the youth on her side and a pretty clear game plan, right? Put Zingano on her back and, and, write, and, and write it out and get a, a decision. Maybe look for a submission. Obviously, if Zingano keeps us on the feet, I really like Kat's ability to win this one. And even within the clinch, she's pretty dangerous there. And she's shown it, but she's also 40 years old. And she's also hasn't been the most active fighter over the last five years. So those are real concerns. But I'm kind of feeling a little, uh, little, I'm gonna, a little risky. I'm going to take a risk. I, I think Leah McCourt pulls off the upset and, and beats Kat Zingano here. But you're you're spot on. If if Leah McCourt is going to win this fight, it's her utilizing grappling. If this thing plays on the feet, it is Kat Singano's fight to lose. And it's kind of I, I saw a, a headline about this where Kat Singano basically know about kind of it's a weird position where you know this division's at when you look at the women's featherweight division. I just pulled up the, the Bellator rankings here. Um and I mean look, you only have seven fighters in this division right now and What's going to happen with Chris Cyborg? Who knows? Um, look, if Bellator doesn't re-sign her, which I imagine that's going to happen, they probably just get rid of this division. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, Daniel, I thought you broke it down there perfectly. You know, the heavyweight Bro, matchup. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had to bring this up. John Salter is a plus 300 dog. That's crazy. I'm not, I'm not I'm not surprised he's the underdog, but by that much, yeah, that does surprise me how much he's an underdog by. Dude, he's like the fifth best Bellator middleweight of all time. Granted, it's not a very impressive list after you get through the okay. top four, but he's right. only lost to Eblin and like Musasi, I believe. My in my Bellator rankings, John Salter is number two. <laughs> and he's a plus three hundred dog to Aaron Jeffrey, who obviously like, yeah, great win over Austin Vanderfort. But how long have we been looking at Jeffrey as like a top middleweight here? Like, how were we giving him odds like this? I mean, did, did, did we get some insider info from James Krause that swung the odds? I mean, what's going on here? I mean, maybe I'm an idiot here and I'm going out on a limb, but I think it's outrageous that Joan Salter is such an underdog. Yeah, I'm, I, I just pulled up best fight odds. So the bet, the. He's as low as plus 265 over Bent Rivers. But everywhere else, he's at least a, th- a three to one underdog. Highest you can get I, is plus 310, either Caesars or Bet 365. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just, he's a guarantee to lose here. But I I, uh, I was so stunned when I just saw those odds. I had to interrupt you before you were well, getting into the heavyweight matchup. Well, on the other side of that is John Salter is. I mean, he's not, he's not a young buck anymore. He's been in this game for a long time. But, you know, the heavyweight matchup, it is a notable heavyweight matchup for this division. Like, when I look at my Bellator rankings, Jalen James is number five for me. And then I have Marcelo Gome at number six. Above him, I've got Steve Mallory, Tim Johnson, Valentin Moldovsky, and Linton Vassell. I mean, this is one of these situations where... I truly expect, well, I'd be shocked if Linton Vassell is not, you know, getting the next crack at Ryan Bader. But the winner of this matchup puts themselves in a really great position of potentially essentially finding themselves in a number one contenders matchup to, you know, to put themselves in to be that whoever gets the winner of Bader and Vassell. Yeah, especially if Marcelo wins, because now you're looking at five wins in a row in the heavyweight division. And Moving forward, your next fight will probably be 
a number one contender's fight. Maybe it's against Moldovsky or, or something of that nature. So that is what's on the line here. The fight itself doesn't come across like a main event caliber fight. But the winner of this fight is going to find himself in that type of heavyweight scrap moving forward. So there are some stakes. It is exciting. Marcelo is a pretty good talent, as is James. And so their story will continue to be written here. I think if you're telling me to make a pick in this main event, well, I'll tell you I like Golm here to, to beat Daniel James. But it is a close fight. It's, it's, it's a matchup that I've talked myself into. And also... Remember, because even I had to remind myself this when I got the official fight card from Bellator. Bellator main events are five round fights. I know, I, oh. I, I already know, I already know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, good lord, if we get to the fourth round, here comes sloppy heavyweight MMA. If we get to the second, look, we I get to I, the second round. If I am in the Marcel Gome camp. My thought has got to be looking at the way Fortune was having success against Daniel James. I think the mindset's got to be let's try to get this one to the ground. Let's see how good that takedown or the the submission defense really is. If you're Daniel James, I think it's about keeping it on the feet. I would be relatively surprised if this hits the fourth round. My guess is this this fight probably ends within 15 minutes. Um I'm gonna say it's Daniel James. I, I think he knocks out Marcel Gom. Good deal. I think uh, I think Gom wins his fight. I'll, I'll go submission because I don't want this one to go the distance. Uh, who who are you picking in the co man? You going with the favorite Zagano? Yeah, I mean, I've never been huge on Leah McCord. I I just think that if she can't grapple, I just don't think she can win the matchup. I mean, we've just seen it countless times in our Bellator fights, um, but. Like, look, if I was going to wager on this fight, do I want to lay a minus 400 on Kat Zingano? Hell to the no. Yeah. Yeah, the odds are pretty wide there. Uh, it's not too appetizing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, look, if you wanted to get just frisky and you just wanted to say, let me take a two-fighter parlay. Let me see what kind of odds we can get here. If we just go Liam McCourt and John Salter plus 1,500. If I... It, it, you know, if gambling was legal in my state of Texas, which, you know, we saw a referee gamble with the dude's life, so I guess it might be. Uh, I would I would play that parlay because those are my two picks. I'm picking Salter and I'm picking McCourt. I'm going upset city. Now, when you talk about the the other fight on this main car, Sullivan Colley, Luke Trainer, Sullivan Colley, one of the training partners of Ryan Bader. I've had a chance to uh to talk to Sully multiple occasions. He's only a minus two hundred favorite. I'm kind of surprised by that. I would have thought the number would be a little bit higher there. He's definitely a guy to pay attention to there. And uh I'm just kind of I'm just looking down at wow. Joey Davis is a sixteen to one betting favorite. Good. Oh Lord. my god. Dude, there's one place he's a twenty five to one favorite. Yeah, I'm excited to see him fight. I mean, he's probably that's probably the number one fight to look forward to, huh? Yeah. Just to see him fight. I mean, I'm just some of these numbers are crazy to me. Yeah. You, the odds are very wide. Like when I'm looking at these Bellator odds, I'm very I'm very surprised by them for sure. The Lance Gibson plus 145 is an interesting number. The Justin Montavo plus 220. That's a fight that Fight goes decision plus 105 may be a, an interesting play on that one. If you're looking for yeah. some plus money action there. Yeah, I mean, I think that Montavo odds are probably too wide. 
I mean, this to me looks like an even as even can be matchup between Colgan and and Justin Montavo. It's a great matchup between prospects. I mean, and, yeah. and and that to me is kind of what you get out of these type of Bellator cards. Is uh, like we say, it's not the sexy card, but there's just some really good fights on it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, you know it's. It's peaks and valleys, right? As an MMA fan, we're in a bit of a valley these couple of weeks, but it's going to pick back up with the UFC pay-per-view. But <laughs> yeah, As we kind of advance forward, as I was looking at some of our top fights in April, I was like, yeah, business is about to pick up. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. And, you know, I was even looking past April. And I was just, just looking at topology, and I was like, God, there are so many good fights, bro. Like, you look at May, some of these fight nights are, are ridiculous. I mean, that one pay-per-view, 288 is absurd, bro. So Hudo and, and freaking uh, Aljo and Charles and, and Dariush and, you know, I, I didn't even know until I was looking it up that Josh Embed and Elia Tapuria was a fight that's going to happen. Was, that, yeah, that yeah. just got that just got announced, uh, say within the last 24 hours. Yeah, and then the other random fight I saw, they got me real hyped that, you know, we're not going to talk about it in the draft, but I saw it. And I was like, damn, it's it's in June. Uh, Kai Kara France and Amir Al-Bazi. I'm like, that is that is a yeah, good yeah. scrap. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of great stuff in April, bro. So basically, you come, you came with this idea of like, hey, you know, it's kind of a, a slower week in mixed martial arts. How about we did a, a draft of our top 10 for April? And so... I'm gonna let you go first. You're the young. You're uh, the young guy on this pod. I, so I'm interested to see who is your first pick. Okay, how are we gonna do the? We'll just we'll just, no snake. Let's just do. Wait, no. Yes, let's do a snake. Let's do a snake. You want to do a uh, snake? Or we can do back and forth. Uh, let's do. Let's do a snake because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's draft season. Let me uh, let me just put down the uh, Dan. Jason, so don't lose track. All right. With my first pick, I will have to – to me, it is a no-brainer, and it's the reason why we're doing a snake because, to me, there's a massive drop-off after the top fight, and I just uh, – I feel like it's not fair. So I'm going to go prayer and not insania at UFC uh, 287. That's uh... – that to me is a – was the easy pick. That, that to me yeah. was an easy pick. Yeah. So yeah, snake. So you get two picks because uh, if we're putting these things on pay per view, I just kick your ass because there's nothing you can put on pay per view that can touch me. All right, my first pick. Give me Max Holloway versus Arnold Allen. Oh, that's a great fight. I'm excited for that fight. I mean, that's yeah, that's a you know Arnold Allen doesn't get a featherweight championship opportunity quite yet, but bro, that's as close as you can get without actually having a title on the line. And since you get two picks after me, I'm just going to go out and grab my potential fight of the year candidate. Adrian Yanez versus Rob Font. Oh, dude, that is, uh, that is one hell of a fight. If you're an MMA sicko, you've been following Adrian Yanez. Uh, I love it. Damn, this isn't fair. This isn't fair, bro. Hey, look, you chose the snake. <laughs> bro, I'm going to take you to the woodshed. I feel bad, but you know what? I don't care, dude. I'm being ruthless. Okay, so I'm just going to continue my UFC 287, and I'm going to draft Jorge Masvidal and Gilbert Burns. And this is the part where I go for the jugular, and I just have a better car than you, and there's nothing you can do about it. 
I'm going to go for Bellator 295, Raphael Stouts and Patchy Mix. I knew you were going to take that one for me. I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I was like, no way that fight's making it back to me. No way that fight's making it back to me. <laughs> I got a pay-per-view, uh, bro. Look. You got a fight night. Okay, look, I'll admit, pay-per-view-wise, you got me. You got me pay-per-view-wise. But I feel like my card is going to be bangers. My card is going to be that everyone's at the bar. They're having a good time. They're drinking those those drinks, and we're having a good time. No, because, no, look. No. I hate to say this. I wonder if Burns versus Maswell is going to suck. Yeah, that might be a blowout. You're not wrong. Okay. You're not wrong. I'm trying to sell pay-per-views right. here, but you're not wrong. I'm over here just trying to create a banger of a card. Well, you have no choice because I've already kicked your ass on the pay-per-views. Well, I'm going to add my third banger to the card. Yeah. Edson Barboza versus my guy, Billy Q. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... That is a banger. Your, your fight card is going to be the most fun one to watch. I'll give you that. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's a hell of a fight. I can't wait to see you pick it. Do I just write down Carmouche and Bennett for your next one? <laughs> no. Gosh. You know, like I say, I'm going for bangers here. Give me Aaron Pico versus Otto Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah, Pico is, is guaranteed excitement. Okay. Okay, now it's back to me. Well, you know how I feel about flyweights. I gotta give me, gotta give me uh, Ray Val and Nicolau. You know, I, I love my flyweights. Up. I'm gonna put up. these guys on the preliminary card because you know they're flyweights. So well, the they're well, they're on the prelims of that Kansas City card too. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then, oh, God. There's three fights I'm looking at here. Oh, there's like four. There's quite a few good fights. God, how far is this? I wonder how far that heavyweight matchup's going to fall. It's, it's, I'm, I'm telling you, I already know who I'm picking if you do not pick this fight next. Yeah, I'm going to go Song Yudong and Ricky Simone. Song Yudong and Ricky Simone was not where I'm going. <laughs> oh, all right, damn it. I know where you're going now. Where, where, do, where do you think, think I'm going? I think you're going to go with Borg and Horiguchi. I am not going there. Oh, God. Where are you going? Armin Sarukian, Hinato uh, Mankano. Yeah, that's probably your second best fight in terms of... Uh, now, I was going to say in terms of rankings, but it's either that or Fontanyanez. But yeah, no, that's, that's a good one. Fudge. And I'm going to go with my first PFL pick. Okay. Oh, yeah. Rob Wilkinson versus Tiago Santos. Yeah, that's going to be good. I mean, that's that's a... Once yeah. again, like you, if you look at my side of the column here, we all about bangers over here. We all about giving people straight up, all caps, violence. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it a lot. But I'm going to have to, uh, you know, your boy has got to sell pay-per-views. It's business. Uh, you go to Jason's fight card, you're going to get some highlights. You're going to get some fight nights. You go to my fight card and see the best fighters in the world. You're talking about Pavlovich, who's going to challenge for heavyweight championship, and, uh, and and Curtis Blades. I mean, will that fight be exciting? Uh, probably not. But, you know, it's a fight that matters. And my other fight for April will be Pico. I mean, not Pico. <laughs> Bork and Horiguchi. 
I knew you were going to take that fight. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, now, now we're now we're getting to the nitty gritty. Yeah, we're 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 in round seven at this point. We're we're getting down that nitty gritty. This is and and I, as I'm looking at my list, there's a lot of people that are gone off this list. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to my second list that I have. I'm going to go with my seventh round pick. Give me Brennan Laughlin versus Mom Race. I feel like that's kicking off the bang card because, unfortunately, I think I feel like I'm going to feel we're going to feel very bad on Saturday night about Mom Race. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I think, you're, I, I, I think you're right. What's and your this second is, pick? And this is where I get this, this problem is I don't like the fights at Bellator 294. Then I look at Aubin Mercier, Shane Burgos, Pacheco, Bud. And I'm just like. Since I'm talking about violence here, I got to go with Shane Burgos versus uh, Aubin Mercier. But man, that could really not be a, a good fight. Well, I'm about to, I'm about to clean you. I'm going to, I'm about to clean you up, man. I'm about to clean you up. So you go Aubin Mercier and. I have now gone to my second list, which is featuring a few fights that are on your list uh, that you provided me. Um, and this is where I'm going. This is a fight that you wish you had in your card. I'm going to go from UFC, uh, the pay per view, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Kevin Holland. I that was one I looked at. And I was like, that's kind of that's that's a sneaky fight. That's a fight, you know. Hey, yeah, and uh, I will continue. Let's see, what is that? Eight. Yeah, you so got my, two. two more. I'm going to go with uh, give me Justin Jacoby for this is fight night and Azamat Merkinov. Big Justin Jacoby guy. Look, look, when a guy says he sits there and takes a fight while he's like 10 beers deep at a campfire, <laughs> how do you not love that guy? Okay, he may not have been 10 beers deep. He may have been four or five, but still. And the fact of after he accepted the short notice fight, he still had another beer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's our kind you, of guy, bro. How do you not love that guy? How do you not love guy? Okay. So I got, so I got my final two picks here. Yes. Not many options left. Not many no. options left. You're gonna go. Uh, you're gonna go to the. Um, uh, I will go grip. Pacheco, Bud, and then I'll throw the title fight in of, of Carmouche and Venom. Look at you, championship fight to open up the card. Uh, By okay. the way, speaking of that game bread boxing, it looks like it's just part of the UFC Fight Pass subscription based on when I went on Fight Pass earlier today. Oh, that's not bad at all. I might tune in then. If that's the case, if it's not a pay-per-view, uh, then you can count me in. Um, last fight, I will go with uh, Pedro Munoz and Chris Gutierrez. Good one. Good one. I saw so, that, yeah. So uh, for those that are curious, if we're comparing our two fight cards. And you can let us know who had the better fight card, which one you'd rather watch. Jason has got the uh, the Bang Bros fight card, where it's all bangers. Main event, Max Holloway and Arnold Allen. You got Adrian Yanis and Rob Font. Edson Barbosa and Billy Q. You got Aaron Pico and Otto. Sarukian and Mokano. Wilkinson and Santos. Brandon Lodane and Marlon Moraes. Oliver Abba Mercier and Shane Burgos, Pacheco and Bud, Carmouche and Bennett, and on my fight card, I have Pereira Adinsanya, 
Burns and Masvidal, Stouts and Mix, Roy Val and Nicolau, Yadong and Simon, Pavlovich and Blades, Borg and Horiguchi, Santiago Ponzinibbio and Kevin Holland, Dustin Jacoby and Azimat Murkanoff, and Pedro Munoz and Chris Gutierrez. Jason, look, I kicked your butt. I kicked okay, your butt. Look, look. <laughs> I will give you this. Your top two has got pay-per-view power. Yeah, yeah. But my card, they ain't put it on ESPN+. Plus. We going on big ESPN. Hell, they might put me on ABC. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's an ABC card. That is an ABC card with that dead. I mean, I, I think, the, you know, when I look at your fight card, I think the fight I'm most jealous of is probably Giannis, the Giannis fight. I mean, that's, Giannis and Fonts is such a good fight. It that's, is. That's one of those fights that I do wonder next Saturday night if we're like after three rounds, like, damn, man, I wish we got two more. It just, it has that potential of just, I mean, look, we both know what they both do. They're both strikers. And that to me is just a fantastic stylistic matchup. I mean, but but you know, one of the things is I was looking throughout all these cards in April, I was like, damn man, we ah, okay, outside Bellator two ninety four. Um, we got some really good fight cards. We do, bro. Bell, and Bellator, don't hate me because I'm saying it. Like, can we get some better fights for the troops? Come on. Yeah, man. I mean, the troops got troops deserve more, but it's exciting, bro. Like for those listening, all those fights we just laid out, you're going to see them in the next four weeks. How cool is that? Yeah, I mean, and it was crazy. Like, I, I mean, I joked about your your, your Roy Val and Nikolai, but I was like, I was like, wow, that's on the prelims. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, it's predictable. That's how flyweights are treated in the UFC. Uh, by the way, completely random, but I just want to mention it, and I literally forgot their names, and I'm going to look that up. But those flyweights that opened up that San Antonio card deserve recognition. Oh, uh, God, yes. Oh, yeah. The first two fights were great. Yeah, Vergara and De Silva. Um, but the, the, <laughs> no, yeah. the, the part about um, Vergara, the fact that he's just rocked. I mean, absolutely rocked. And he's literally running away to stay in the fight. It's crazy. I've never. It's probably the only time anyone has ever ran away in a fight and won. I've never seen somebody come back from doing a marathon and win, but the other dude he went up against was completely gassed. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to, to give some love to the flyweights because, you know, they open up the cards on the prelims, and all they do is just put on bangers. Yeah, you know, Altamirano and Salvar, man, that was a great fight. I mean, they, yeah. and those two guys, like, I'm watching the fight, and they're both just coming forward, and I'm like, and there was a point in the third round where I'm like, Altamirano, like, hey, bro, you might want to start backpedaling a little bit because he's tagging you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a heavy hitter, that dude. Yeah, that was a that was a good time, man. That was a good time. But yeah, my flyweights, bro, they always deliver. I'm I'm, I'm Mr. Flyweight. I'm uh, I love that weight class so much. Before we get out of here on this episode of the podcast, of course, huge thanks to our sponsor, Harry's. Of course, I'll be sure to check out that offer they have for you. You can check that out there in the show notes. But, uh, you know, it's WrestleMania weekend, Daniel. You're the wrestling guy here. I mean, I, I, I try to check out wrestling every once in a while, you know, sit on the couch on a Monday night or, or maybe a, a Friday night. Uh, are, are we saying and new or and still? Man, you know, yeah, we got two nights of WrestleMania. And the big match is obviously Cody and Roman. That's going to be on Sunday. Uh, I've gone back and forth on it because Roman has held the championship for such a long time. Maybe they're trying to break some records like Hulk Hogan's record, break a thousand days, break Bruno's record. But 
I really do think Cody wins. I mean, I, I think Cody losing, I think that would really hurt him bad because that's that's what people want to see. And Roman's held the championship for a while. It's time for him to go shoot some movies. He's been an unbelievable superstar. He is he is he has become the next John Cena for this generation. Yeah. I see. Speaking, you know, because I saw uh, Cena's headline night one. Mm-hmm. That line he had a couple weeks ago, where Austin Theory talks about him, him losing his hair, and then he goes, "Well, at least they don't have to pipe in crowd noise for my match." It's like, oh, oh burn. Yeah, yeah. John is John is absolutely lethal on the mic. I mean, he had some great promos. Throughout his entire career, but when he was feuding with The Rock, he he was going for the jugular, and and uh, you know I'm excited to see him, man. I mean, I grew up on John Cena; that was my guy. Well, he he wasn't my favorite wrestler, but he was the most famous wrestler when I first started watching. But yeah, I mean, if you're watching on Saturday, you're going to be able to check out Seth Rollins and Logan Paul will be on that match, uh, be on that card. Rey Mysterio is going to take on his son, Dominic Mysterio, Kevin Owen, and Zami will take on the Usos, and then on Sunday. Uh, Brock Lesnar will be on that car. He'll be taking on a dude who's over seven feet tall named Omos. And uh, you got a Hell in a Cell match with Edge and Finn Balor and a couple other great stuff. But, yeah, I've got Cody. Who do you got? I know you're a casual fan, but still, who's your pick, man? Cody or Roman? I kind of think it's got to be Cody. The one thing is, by the way, if I said, Daniel, you can win $100,000 right now, but you have to accurately transcribe Cody Rhodes's entrance music could you do it <laughs> i see no. i see all these videos on tiktok that's basically about this of like you know like the first like 10 words but then you don't know the word after that yeah yeah it's it's like and i'll still sing along even though i don't know the words i just kind of enunciate <laughs> but, but yeah. it's it, it's it's one of these things of like I watched as someone who grew up watching wrestling and I don't watch it you know, frequently as, as much as I once did. But like when I see these videos of Cody coming out and they do the whoa and it's got louder and louder every week. Like he's over. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. The guy is over. And he's not the only one. I mean, Sami Zayn got so over for mm-hmm. that last pay-per-view and it is like it is cyclical. WWE does peak at WrestleMania season. Things get hot, but it does really feel like this year is different than most when it comes to WWE. And maybe it's because the AEW has brought out the competition, right? With AEW existing, I think WWE has really upped their game. It's created this crazy world where, where Cody's coming back after going to AEW. It's an exciting time to be a pro wrestling fan. You know, I saw this clip on Instagram and it was uh, Ariel doing a, a podcast or he was a guest on, on someone's podcast. And he, you know, he talked about like, it's great for the, the company that dominates a landscape. So if we're talking professional wrestling, WWE, or if we're talking mixed martial arts, the UFC to have that number two organization that can push you and, and push you to put on better fights. And, and I also thought speaking of the UFC and, and I, I wanted to mention this earlier, but I'll mention it now. And I saw my guy front row, Brian. I thought he mentioned a really great point because Dana White came out the end. Uh, I want to say it was after San Antonio card and basically kind of noted that he didn't think they were going to Mexico city and front row. Brian basically pointed out. So he said, he goes, well, maybe that tells us that no one in Mexico city is willing to pay a site fee to the UFC. And that's why they're ultimately not going there. And I was like, eh, damn, he's probably right. Yeah, that makes sense because it's a no brainer. 
to go there. Yeah. And there has to be some reason why. I mean, obviously, the other thing about Mexico is there's been some bad stories when it comes to like U.S. citizens in Mexico. But I, yeah, I saw I, I saw something about I don't know, like two weeks ago. They're talking about like there's certain areas in Mexico that were they're telling United States citizens just don't go. Yeah, which if the government is telling you you should not go, like that is that's that's the thing. Then you don't go. You don't go. <laughs> yeah, you don't go. And I'm like, I live in an area where. People go to these areas that I know are on the government list. They have to be because I believe uh, one of those areas where the people were kidnapped and, and a couple were murdered is literally one of the border towns where I'm from. People go all the time where I'm from, but still, like if, if you're an American citizen, don't go. It's, it's You stick out with a sore thumb. You know, if you go to a, a border town that is not friendly. I mean, there's one close by me where you're pretty safe and and you're safe in most towns. Like it's not going to happen to everybody, but you know, it happens to one person. It's too many. No doubt about like Yeah. Cause you're not, you're not that far from the border, right? No, I mean, I'm 15 minutes. I mean, yeah, 15 minutes. So, you know, I can, I can be there within the hour. I can be in Mexico within the hour. Yes, sir. But I'm guessing that's not the case. No, I haven't been to Mexico since I was a kid. Oh, there was one time uh, when I was working in TV news I don't remember exactly what I was doing. I think I was trying to uh, – I was going to the border, and I needed to get on the crossing part to get video of something. So I get through the crossing part with my camera, my big camera, my tripod, and I get my video, and I try and come back. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? You got to go to Mexico and come back. So I go with my gear, and I walk across the border into Mexico, walk across the street, and, and, and enter Mexico. Uh, but I was in line for a very long time. And as soon as I got in with my big camera, like the, the, uh, borders were like, Oh, camera, camera. Like, yeah, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot easier to enter Mexico than it was to enter America. Yeah. I remember, and this is years ago, uh, when, when the Super Bowl was in Detroit. And so, you know, Detroit's right there on the border of Canada. So we, we said, we're going to go to Canada and we're going to go gamble. It was so. It was much harder to get into Canada than it was come back to the United States. Is it? Yeah, I, I hear that the Canada is rough. Yeah, we. Canada. I mean, literally, it was. It was a, a, a. Um, we had transportation. I mean, everyone had their passports. But yeah, I remember we 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 stood like the, the uh, you know, the border. It felt like thirty minutes. It was probably more like ten, but it it felt like we were there for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's never fun. But yeah, so sometimes they'll just pull people away that are entering Canada and interrogate them for a while. Yeah, I just, I, I could, you know, I couldn't do the whole cold weather thing. No, me neither. That's why we live in Texas and Florida. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not built for that. Call, no. call, call me a whip. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. Give me, yeah. I mean, right now, right now, it's 85 degrees outside here in Tampa. Perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. I need to get a tan when I'm going to get groceries. You know, it feels good. It's like God giving me a little kiss on my on my cheek. Well, that's usually that's that's my way of saying uh, if I'm going to go mow the yard, uh, you know, let's 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 put on some sleeveless shirt or a basketball jersey, and you know, no no one wants to see these tan lines. No one wants to see these tan lines. Yeah, I think next time I wrestle, I'm probably going to get a tan. Like I'm going to go to a tanning salon. Uh spray tan, yeah. Yeah, there are a couple. Uh, yeah, spray tan. Yeah, there. I think spray tan, but I think I don't know how it works. I think well, it might spray be like, tan or like you actually like because my buddy used to own a, a tanning um, 
salon, I guess would be the best way to put it. But yeah, it's a, they have a it was a spray on, but then there's also like the the lay in the uh, the tan bed thing. I don't know which one I'll do. Probably spray tan because I saw Final Destination and there's like a crazy death scene with the tanning bed and that horrified me. So yeah, I think it's spray tan. Uh, but yeah, some of the guys at the showcase did it and it came out good. So I'm like, uh, eh, let me do it. I got the farmer's tan. Oh, yes, yes. I very much have the farmer's tan too. Uh, but uh, that is yeah. going to do it for this edition of the MA Report Podcast. Of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in each and every week. If you are watching this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, comment, all of that. Of course, uh, be sure to check out that great deal that Harry's has for the MA Report Podcast listeners. Get a $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash mareport. So that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I'll be back on Sunday with the interview edition, which will include my conversation with Daniel Pineda. 